Good to see you this morning. Glad that you're here. We are continuing our sermon series that we started last week that we're just calling Family. And we are spending a couple weeks talking about family. Hence the name of the sermon series. We started last week by addressing those of you who still have your family in front of you. Kind of shared some thoughts with people who are dating or will one day be dating or wish you were dating now. And I challenge you to, to try to become and allow God to help you to become the kind of person that the person you're looking for is looking for. I want to turn a bit of a page today and talk to those of us who are married. In fact, we're going to spend a couple weeks talking about marriage and marriage relationships. And I got to thinking as I was preparing for this lesson, you know, nobody really wants to talk about marriage. We need to. And we all understand that we need to. But nobody really wants to talk about marriage. In fact, you probably don't really want to hear a sermon about marriage, let alone two or three sermons on marriage, because you probably fall into one of several categories. Either you're not married, so you're just thinking this is going to be kind of a royal waste of time, or you've got a great marriage, and you're thinking there's nothing you can tell me that I don't already know, or your marriage is okay, but you just as soon not talk about it. Let's not rock the boat. Let's kind of leave well enough alone. Or your marriage is a mess, and you're thinking, you know, I'm just going to be made to feel guilty or ashamed or frustrated. Or maybe your spouse has passed away. Or maybe your spouse has walked away. And you'd really rather not be reminded of you know, some other times. So I get that, and I'm sensitive to that. And I know that in a lot of ways, we don't really want to talk about marriage. But again, we really need to talk about marriage. Because there's so many marriages that are dysfunctional and unhealthy and unhappy and really are kind of hanging on by a thread. So we need to talk about marriage, but we need to do it from God's point of view. Because so much of the information and so much of the advice that you get about marriage is so wrong. No, God's the one who instituted marriage. It was God's idea. So if we're going to talk about marriage, it would make sense to kind of listen to the one who instituted, one, the one who uh, thought up the whole thing and, and knows what's best for us. So I want to begin this morning by asking you a question. And it's a question that... I bet you have asked at some point in your life, in some form or another. And actually, to get us to the question, I want to share with you some lyrics from an old country song. And it's not even the Statler Brothers, so not even going there this morning. But about 20 years ago, Alan Jackson had a, a country song entitled Living on Love. Just titled my sermon today, Living on Love. And it was kind of a simple song about a, a simple couple who fall in love get married, and the song kind of follows their arc through their married life. And it begins by saying, two young people without a thing, say some vows, spread their wings, settle down with just what they need, living on love. And again, the song follows this simple couple through their married life, but it's the end of the song that I want to kind of focus on and want to kind of share with you. The song ends this way, two old people without a thing. Children gone, still they sing. 
side by side on that front porch swing, living on love. He can't see anymore. She can barely sweep the floor. Hand in hand, they'll walk through that door, just living on love. Oh, come on. <laughs> you don't get those kind of lyrics in hip-hop. I'm telling you. That is gold right there. That is old country. But it raises the question that I want to talk about this morning, and it raises the question that I'm sure at some point in your life you have asked, probably on, on many levels, and the question is this, is that really possible? Is it really possible for people to fall in love and stay in love? Is it possible for two people to stay in love forever? Not just stay together. Not just stay married. Is it possible for two people to stay in love forever? And you know the reason why everyone asks that question. Because you look around at the culture that we live in, you look at uh, you know, your neighborhood, you look at your family or extended family, you, you look at the world and you're kind of left with the conclusion of, well, I guess it can happen, but it sure doesn't happen very often. I think at some point in our lives we've all asked that question, and it's really a fascinating question. Because in spite of what we know about our current marriage or our previous marriage, in spite of what we know about you know, our family's marriages or our parents' marriages, in spite of what we know about the divorce rate, in spite of what we know about you know, all the statistics that we keep hearing, we think that it's possible for someone to fall in love and stay in love forever. In fact, not only do we think it's possible, there's something in me, there's something in you that causes us to believe it can happen for me. In fact, we believe it's going to happen for me. I've done a lot of weddings. I don't think I've ever done a wedding, performed one, when the couple getting married didn't expect to walk through that door hand in hand, living on love. You know, we get married expecting, even though we know the statistics, even though we know what we see, all the, the train wrecks of marriages around us, there's something in us that when we get married, we expect we're going to be in love and we're going to stay in love for the rest of our lives. Now I want to talk about that this morning. But first I want to spend about 15 seconds talking about falling in love. It's all time it'll take. It's not going to take long to talk about falling in love because falling in love is really easy. There's nothing to fall in love. In fact, you know the only requirement it takes to fall in love? A pulse. <laughs> if you are alive, you can fall in love. There, there, there's no skill involved. In fact, people fall in love with people they've never even met. You know, you see someone on TV. Oh, he's so perfect. Oh, she's got it all. I'm, I'm in love. Would it surprise you to know that there are over 1,500 businesses, organizations, websites devoted to putting people together so they can fall in love? You give them a little bit of money, and they will put you together. They'll, they'll match you up. 
with someone who might have some of your same interests, someone who's certainly looking to fall in love themselves. And by the way, I'm not preaching against that. I know, I know several couples who have met that way, fallen in love, and, and seem to be very happy. My point is this. It's never been easier to fall in love. Well, swipe right. Social media, other avenues, have made it so easy for us to meet large numbers of people who might be looking for the same things we're looking for. It's never been easier to fall in love. But I would argue, and I think you would agree, it's never been more difficult to stay in love. And yet, that's what we all want. And we all think it's going to happen to us. And it can. But as we talked about last week, it won't happen by itself. It's going to take effort. It's going to take work. It's going to take God. Falling in love requires a pulse. Staying in love requires a plan. Because I don't want to just stay together. I don't want to just stay in a relationship. No, I want it all. I want to stay in love. I want to talk about that this morning. But first I want to talk about a couple reasons why it's so difficult for people to stay in love today. There's, I kind of got some bad news, and then we're going to get to some good news this morning. I've got a book in my office that talks about why it's so difficult for people to stay in love, and I want to share a couple thoughts with you. And first, very few people have actually seen healthy relationships modeled. Very few people growing up have actually seen what a healthy marriage looks like. I mean, up close and personal. In a way that they can kind of arc it, you know, over several years and follow that marriage. Most people haven't seen that. So what most people see and, and know and, and have modeled for them as far as marriage goes looks nothing like God's desire and design for marriage. You see people together... You know, you see people who have who, been married a long time, but if you had to guess, you'd say, they're not really in love anymore. You know, they're kind of roommates, I guess, and they're coexisting, but, but they're not really in love, and I don't want that. And I'm sure you don't want that either. A second reason why it's so difficult for people to stay together, stay in love, not only is what people have seen growing up, but it's also what people have felt growing up. So many children today are growing up with this enormous emotional deficit. Let me share with you a list of what some experts claim is needed for a child to grow up in a stable, nurturing environment so that they can you know, kind of get through adolescence and then have their own stable, nurturing environment. In other words, some really smart people came up with a list of what it takes to be emotionally equipped to engage in long-term loving relationships. You ready for the list? Here it is. Here's all it takes to stay in long-term relationships. Respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, affection. Probably sounds just like the home you grew up in, right? Where you had massive doses, by the way. You need massive doses of respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. If that's what it takes over a long period of time to equip us to be able to engage in long-term relationships as an adult, 
Is it any wonder why so many marriages struggle? Especially when we meet other people who haven't had those kind of things growing up either. So we enter into a relationship. We get married. And what we're hoping the other person brings to that relationship for us, what we're hoping we receive, what we really need is respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. I fall in love with you, and, and now, now that we're in love, you know, we start to wonder, are you going to give me the things I need? And of course, the other person is wondering, are you going to give me the things I need? What do you need? Well, here's what I'm wondering. Are you going to give me respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, affection, or are you just cute? Because in the beginning, that mattered. Are you going to give me these things, or do you just have a good job and spend a lot of money on me? Because at the beginning, those things mattered. But now, all of a sudden, I'm realizing that's not what I really need. What I need... To, to be emotionally equipped are all these things. And if I haven't got them, and if I'm not getting them, there's a problem. Let me share with you a very sobering statistic. It might not surprise you, but it's sobering nonetheless. 40% of children born in America this year will grow up in a home with no dad. 40% of children born in America will grow up in a home where they have absolutely no meaningful relationship with their father. Now, I'm not negating or dismissing in any way the wonderful job that so many single parents, especially single moms, are doing. All I'm saying is, if those are the things it takes for someone to be emotionally equipped to be able to engage in long-term relationships, is it any wonder that they're struggling? And again, it's, it's not their fault. It's the, it's the culture that we live in. Here's another thing that makes staying in love really difficult. We have a very low threshold of relational pain. We just don't deal very well with relational pain. And what I mean by that is, it doesn't have to hurt too badly for us to say, I'm out of here. We're just not going to put up with a whole lot of discomfort. You know, kind of gone are the days when, well, I said I do, and you said I do, so we do. You know, for better or for worse, sickness and in health, richer or poorer, we're going we're gonna to make it work. We're going to work through it. We're going we're gonna to go through the hard times, but we'll come out on the other end. Those days are almost gone, aren't they? Because our culture keeps saying, you know what, if you're not happy in your relationship, if you're not feeling, feeling fulfilled in your relationship, you need to find a new relationship. You need to start over. You need to get out. You need to reboot. There are lots of reasons why staying in love is really difficult to do. Now, the good news is we're not finished right here. We're not going to stand and sing and all go home feeling really depressed about you know, how terrible things are. I started off by saying that we're going to listen to God when it comes to building meaningful, lasting relationships, meaningful marriages. In all of this relational crisis, Jesus has something to say. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gives us the foundation 
for enduring relationships, and I think it's the best advice you will ever receive when it comes to dealing with someone else. I think it's the best advice you'll ever receive when it comes to dealing with your spouse. And Jesus' message, what he has to say, is so simple. It's counterintuitive, to be sure. I mean, it is so not the way we usually think. But it is so simple. It is so basic. In fact, when you hear it, when I tell you what it is, you're going to go, oh, really? kind of knew that already. And yet it is so powerful. You'll wish it was something different, but you shouldn't. You're probably going to think, hey, I needed something a little deeper here. I needed something I really could chew on for a couple of weeks and you know, try to figure out exactly what you're talking about. You're thinking, hey, my husband's finally here. Give it to him. Come on. And my wife is finally listening. Tell her what she needs to do. Amen. Amen. Jimmy DeBose. Because you were all wondering, right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jimmy. <laughs> what Jesus says to do is so simple. It is so basic. And it is so powerful. Here's what Jesus says. It's in John chapter 13. A new command I give you. Jesus says, okay, you know, you've got the Ten Commandments, you know those, then you've got like 700 other commandments to help you keep the Ten Commandments. But I've got a new command that I want to give you. In fact, it's, it's not really even a new command. Here's the command. Love one another. And again, you're thinking, wow, great. You're thinking, hey Tim, I wish you'd have studied a little harder last week. But listen, this is great. And this is wow. Because Jesus does something here. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss what he does. Jesus takes a word that we've always used as a noun, and he makes it a verb. Jesus is giving a command. He says, I want you to go, and I want you to love one another. Now, you usually use love as a noun. You usually think love is something you fall into like a swimming pool or, or fall out of like a tree. Jesus says, but I want you to think of love as a verb. I want you to go and I want you to love one another. I want you to do something. I want you to be loving towards your spouse. Now what that means is, what it means is Jesus would have made a very crummy marriage counselor in the 21st century. Because you'd go to him with a marriage that's messed up and you'd say, Jesus, here's the deal. You know, my wife just drives me crazy. And she'd say, well, my husband just pushes my buttons all the time and we're just, we're just like this all the time and we can never get along. And, and Jesus would say, are you loving each other? Well, we used to, but, but no, 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 no. Used to is noun. I'm talking verb. Are you loving each other? Are you loving her? 
I want you to go home. I'm going to fix your relationship. I'm going to fix your marriage. I want you to go home and love one another. Well, we used to love each other. No, 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 no. You can't used to. Well, we don't love each other anymore. Well, you're married, so I hope you're loving each other. You're thinking noun. I want you to think verb. Love one another. Love action. See, your problem is you're saying, I'm not feeling it. Jesus says, I want you to do it first. Then you'll feel it. See, your relationship started off feeling it. Remember, it's really easy to fall in love. But now you're not feeling it. So you're thinking, well, I want to feel it again. So the best way to feel it again, I guess, is start a new relationship because it's when I started this new relationship that I was feeling it. So we think, well, if I start a new relationship, then you know, I'll be feeling it again. And Jesus says, here's how it works. Not like that. If you want to maintain it, if you want it to grow, if you want it to get better, if you want to keep that flame burning, then you're going to have to quit treating love like a noun and start treating love like a verb. So I want you to go home and I want you to love one another. The foundation for staying in love is making love a verb. The foundation for long-lasting relationship is making love a verb. And the goal isn't to recapture a feeling. Listen, in a marriage, in a relationship, the, the feeling is the caboose of the train. It's not the engine. It's not what's driving the train. It started out as the engine. I get that. But as you go through your marriage life, you know, the, the feeling kind of starts sliding back a little bit. Jesus says, I want you to learn how to actively love one another. Because love is something that you do. And the better you get at doing love, the more in love you're going to be. And the better you get at doing love, the more in love you're going to feel. But it starts when you do love. When you love one another. But Jesus actually doesn't stop there. Listen to the rest of the verse. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. In other words, Jesus is saying, I don't want you to take your cue from culture. Although there's some good things about culture. I don't want you to take your cue from your parents or your grandparents. Or There's good things that we can learn from our parents and our grandparents and their relationships. But Jesus is saying, I want you to take your cue from me. I want you to look at me as your example. I'm the standard. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the thing that you need to be paying attention to. And Jesus says, if you will allow me, I will teach you. I will show you. I will equip you in ways that you can stay in love forever. I will tell you how to stay in love, but it's not going to just happen. Love has got to be a verb, not a noun. Now, years later, the Apostle Paul is going to come along, and Paul is going to say basically the exact same thing that Jesus had said, except Paul's going to use a bad word. Paul's going to use a word that we don't like very much. 
In fact, when I tell you what the word is, your initial reaction is going to be, oh, I don't really like that word. We need to think about that word. We need to talk about that word a little bit. But I'm telling you, it's the same thing. And it's a powerful word. And it's a word that I think really helps to illustrate what Jesus is talking about when he says, love one another. It's in Ephesians chapter 5. Here's what Paul says. He starts right off with a bad word. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. And all you husbands are thinking, wait a minute. Time out. I know Ephesians 5. And Ephesians 5 says my wife has to submit to me. Not verse 21. That's not what verse 21 says. Submit to one another. And then here's the Jesus part again. Out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. You know what that means? It means the exact same thing as love one another. It just has a barb on it. He just uses a word that we're not very comfortable with. Now, Paul's going to go on and, and talk about marriage and relationships, and that's another lesson. But the starting point for building meaningful relationships, lasting, loving relationships, is mutual submission. You say, wait a minute, he's not talking about marriage yet. Why isn't he? I think he is talking about marriage in verse 21. I think he is talking about relationships between husbands and wives. Submit to one another. He's talking here about mutual relationship, mutual submission. And mutual submission means, you know what, in our relationship, you come first. In our relationship, you are the priority. And then your spouse says, well, in our relationship, you're the priority. You come first. No, you come first. No, you come first. So then, you know, like the conflict is, who's, who's going to come first, right? Um, but that's mutual submission. And I don't know if you've ever even seen that in a marriage before. It is so rare. I don't know if you've ever really seen a husband and a wife mutually submitting to each other. I have. And let me tell you, it's impressive. And when you see it, it's powerful. It is so rare. And it's a little bit scary because somebody has to go first. You know, somebody has to humble themselves and say, I'm going to put you first in our relationship. You are the priority in this relationship. Even if you don't think that about me, I'm making you the priority in our relationship. Now I'll tell you, when a husband can start his day by making sure his wife knows you're the priority in my relationship, you're first. And when a wife can start her day by making sure the husband knows you're the priority in our relationship, you're first. When, when a married couple can get that dynamic going in their marriage, it is a beautiful thing. They are living on love. And I'll tell you, when you see that, your reaction will be, that's what I want. I want what they have. Even if you can't verbalize or might not even know how they got to where they are, even if you don't know that mutual submission is playing any part in their relationship, you're going to say, that's what I want my marriage to look like. People who are loving one another, love, active, love, verb, 
But wait, there's more. As Christ has loved us. People who are submitting to one another, making the other person the priority of their marriage, putting the other person first, but wait, there's more, out of reverence for Christ. What that means is our motivation for doing the right thing is what Christ has done for us. Our motivation for what we do for our spouse, regardless of their response, is what Christ has done for us. The way Christ has loved us out of reverence for Jesus. That's the foundation of staying in love. Not just staying married. I don't want to just stay married. I don't want to just tough it out. I want it all. I want to stay in love forever. Now today's kind of been just the uh, introduction, I guess, for the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk the next couple of weeks about some more things that God has to say about being in love and staying in love and, and strengthening our marriages. So I, I really I encourage you to come back. Give me another chance. Uh, come back next week and we're going to start fleshing some of these things out. But for this morning, I just hope that you will commit to loving one another. And that you will commit to submitting to one another in your marriage. Falling in love is easy. Staying in love takes a plan. Let's end with a prayer this morning. Father, I thank you for in the most dramatic way possible illustrating and demonstrating your love for us by sending Jesus. I pray, Father, that you continue to show us and to teach us what it means to model our love after his. And Father, for the marriages that may be here uh, this morning that very well might be in crisis, very well might be hanging on by a thread. Father, I pray that you would honor their faith and honor their desire to make it work even when it seems like all might be lost. And Father, for those here today and, and their spouse or, or the one that they love is not here, would you give them the wisdom to know what to do with what we've talked about today and then, and then the courage to do it? Father, I pray that your word would penetrate our hearts, allow your will to change the way we look at our relationships. And Father, I pray that we wouldn't just stay married, but that we would stay in love. And we would stay in love for a long, long time. That we would be men and women whose relationships reflect what you had in mind when you created this kind of love. We know we can't do it on our own. We know we can't do it without you. And we plead with you to intervene on our behalf as, as we do our best to figure it out. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Bobby's got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement this morning. Family, if we can minister to you in any way, come to the front and let us know. Let's stand and sing.